All right, so life skills 101. Biblical life skills. So we learn life skills in school, how to do math. How many of you guys took like some sort of weird math, like calculus or trigonometry or something like that? I was never that good at math. But then I figured out trigonometry is the study of triangles. Basically, right? Tri, trig. So I was like, why didn't they just say that? Why didn't somebody tell me trigonometry is the study of triangles? And then I would have been like, all right, I can be excited about that. But trigonometry sounds like, like um, something an astronaut probably uses. And I was not interested. Well, those are skills that you learn might not be useful. These biblical skills are going to be useful in everyday life. So um, we have a list of them here. And um, while the guys are pulling those up, um, we'll go through them. Tonight we're going to be in uh, conflict resolution. How many of you guys have conflict? So, oh, you went too far. There you go. And just press play. There you go. So I went ahead and got fancy and made a little PowerPoint for you guys, you know, because I just wanted to get fancy for some reason. But um, I thought it was helpful just to kind of relay the, the, the information. So the first one is conflict resolution, steps to resolving conflict. All right. Second one is discernment. We'll go over these. And it's going to take us a couple of weeks, good uh, four weeks or so, about a month. And uh, back to that discernment one, it, real quickly, it's, we'll, we'll get it guys. <laughs> We're learning life skills right there. <laughs> so people, media, and culture, religion, those are all things that we sometimes have a hard time discerning what's going on with right um media what's 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 the media saying because you have news outlets and facebook and all these different things and culture people who set trends and styles even in church and worship there's worship styles so that one's pretty going to be pretty interesting let's see the next one it's uh, money management how many of you guys hope to get something from that money management is you know what Jesus talked about money management almost more than anything. I think he did talk about it more than anything, actually, other than salvation. <laughs> so the reason why is it because where your heart is, that's where your money goes, and that's what you use, and that's that's pretty important. So it's one of the it's a it's a false god too. Jesus said, you know, mammon, mammon is money, and he said you can use it for good or bad. Um, but uh, let's look at the fourth one. Godly stewardship. So, you know, for your personal property. And we're going to get real practical from, you, you know, your car <laughs> and maintenance to, um, to steward, stewarding your work. You know, the work that you do and your time, stewarding your time, which I have a real hard time. And I hope God whips me into shape with so, um, I, 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 by the way, I don't have the, I don't have everything figured out. Do you guys know that? <laughs> um, I hope to learn just as much as everybody else and to grow in these areas too. But I've identified these areas that are, that are things that are really helpful. So the, the fifth one, 
is just Bible study. Sometimes we just need to know what personal devotions should look like, what family devotions, if you have family, what family devotions should look like, sharing the word in your family and witnessing to your family and witnessing out in the world and testimony. And we might actually be out there doing some personal witnessing and testimony and stuff like that um, as we prepare for that. So uh, the next one and the final one. And so this is not exhaustive, guys, but this is relational boundaries. So what is appropriate? Uh, you know what? A lot of times we don't know what's appropriate, what's not appropriate at work, at church, at home. And it's all according to God's word. It's not something that I, that's like my preference. I, I prefer this. I'm going to just bring it out in the word and say this is this is what God prefers. This is what God has said about these relational boundaries, healthy boundaries, good boundaries and bad boundaries and gray areas where you have to use wisdom. So uh, those things are going to be really interesting. And that brings us back to the first one, which is our life skills, 101 conflict resolution. So I'm going to start it off with a joke. I'm not a real good joke teller unless I'm just making it up. But I found this one. It was kind of funny because it has to do with conflict resolution. Now, we're not going to have a lot of notes going off of, off of that one. I'm going to be writing them down. All right. And we'll follow on the, the board there. But I want you to develop note taking skills, too. So learning how to make your own skills. Um, note taking skills is... Not always following exactly what's written, but being able to gather what's being given and putting it how you understand it. You guys follow me? So you have to work on that and decide what's best to take notes. So conflict resolution with this. An English man was seated on a train between two ladies arguing about the window. One claimed that she would die of heat stroke if it stayed closed. The other said she would expire of pneumonia if it was open. The ladies called the conductor who didn't know how to resolve the conflict. Finally, the gentleman spoke up. First, open the window. Then that will kill the one. Then close it and that'll kill the other. And then we'll have peace. <laughs> how many of you guys resolve conflict like that? <laughs> Get rid of get rid of the problem let's just bury the problem right now we know that conflict can become serious or conflict can be just everyday conflict there's all sorts of conflict but it can be anything from serious disagreement to all-out war and that's really what a lot of people will call war is a, a conflict when you don't want it to meet say actually say war but like, hey, we're in a conflict. We're having conflict. And so if you look at the world right now, there's a, there's a, uh, a website called Conflict in the World. And it'll tell you what kind of wars are being fought and where they're being fought at. And if they're government or if they're within people groups. And if you look at that, there's thousands of them in the world right now. Thousands of wars. And if you think about how many wars have taken place over history, there's lots and lots of wars. In fact, much of 
our time in humanity is spent in conflict. So conflict is very, very useful to understand how to resolve conflict. Like I said, this is not a uh, exhaustive treatment. You won't be able to, to resolve every single thing, you know, like you won't be able to go to the Palestinians and say, hey, give us a, give us a, a resolution. But you might be able to resolve a conflict with the person next to you or with somebody at work. You might begin to start sharpening those skills and growing and, and really looking at conflict resolution as a skill, as a skill set that you acquire and you build. So um, we're going to start off there. Mama, I'm a good speller, right? Hello, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> I want the third grade. Well, I want third place in the third grade spelling. So the Bible says that conflict comes from a certain source. I want to have you turn to James chapter 4. Okay. Can I have somebody read James chapter 4, verse, verses 1 through 10 in the New King James? Who has New King James? Bernie. comes from no one other than us. There isn't some external source, there's an internal source. And let me read it to you, the first three verses, the way the Living Bible, it's a paraphrase, the Living Bible reads it like this. In verse 4, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it because there's a whole army of evil desires within you? You want what you don't have, so you kill to get it. You long for what others have and can't afford it. So you start a fight to take it away from them. And yet the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole aim is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. That's kind of crazy. The, the crazy part is, first, that there, it says that there's a whole army of evil desires. A whole army of evil desires within us. That's the flesh, right? The flesh. So conflict is coming from within, from the flesh. Evil desires are within us, in the flesh. If you're in the spirit, those evil desires don't exist. But if you're in the flesh... Evil desires, a whole bunch of them. And those evil desires cause us to what? To want what others have. To start a fight so we can gain something. But the, the really striking thing is, it says we don't get what we want because we don't ask God for it. So there's this conflict because the flesh refuses to go to God, refuses to depend on God. And so we go and we try to take what others have, or we try to, uh, and it could be peace, you guys. It, it could be peace. So somebody might see peace, and somebody might want that, and they want to take that peace from you. Because somehow the evil desires within us think that we can have peace if we take 
your peace. But logically, obviously, that doesn't translate, right? That's, that's a faulty way of thinking. But the flesh is like that. Wants what it can't have. The flesh can never have peace. It's at war with God. It's at war with peace. The flesh is full of evil desires. So conflict comes from within. We generate conflict. Now, that's not to say that all conflict is bad. Did you guys know that not all conflict is bad? Let me write this one. It comes from within, right? Right. Conflict comes from within, but not all conflict is bad. How's that so? So there's a difference between healthy and biblical conflict and conflict that is fleshly conflict. So check out this quote from Crosswalk Ministries. Healthy conflict is good. It clears up misunderstandings and helps everyone deal with negative feelings in a positive way. Unfortunately, many of us go through life trying to avoid conflict while others might try to create conflict. Neither response is healthy or beneficial in our relationships. You guys get that? Healthy conflict is good because it can clear up understandings or misunderstandings. That's where a lot of conflict comes from. We don't understand. I don't understand why you're doing this to me. I don't understand why you hurt me. I don't understand why you don't want to do that. So there's this conflict that is within us. And we, how many of you guys absolutely hate conflict? Getting into some sort of conflict would rather jump off of a bridge or something, you know? Conflict is, is largely not normal. It's, it's foreign. And we, we avoid it because we hope things might get better. But there are times where things won't get better unless there is conflict. But God has laid out for us biblical steps, right? And that's what we're going to learn about tonight. We're going to learn biblical steps of conflict resolution. So we've laid out already, we know the source of the conflict. It comes from where? With you guys? With you. And so if you know where the source of the conflict comes from, you can't do anything about anybody else within because you're not in control of their within, but you're in control of your within. And whether or not anybody else wants to resolve, you can resolve conflict within yourself even, as long as you do it God's way. So, so, how do you deal with someone who is causing conflict with you? How do you deal with someone? This is personal conflict. Anybody have any ideas? How do you deal with somebody who is causing conflict with you? What, what do you guys have an idea? Pray for them. Pray for them? Okay, that's good. Anybody else? Any other ideas? You could punch them in the nose. You could really deal with them that way. <laughs> hey, we didn't say if it was if it was good or bad. We just said, "Do you have any ideas?" 
<laughs> it is real. While sometimes when you have an enemy, you might have to punch him in the nose. And look at the armies of Israel. You know, God said, we got to take out the Philistines. And he sent out men of God to take care of them. That was an organized effort to punch the enemy in the nose, right? So maybe that is a way to deal with the conflict. If God says to you, <laughs> right? Organize yourselves, do it just, and take care of the conflict. But what are personal conflicts, right? What are some other ways that we usually deal with conflict? Think about this. I'm, I'm asking you to search yourself. Just ignore it. All right. So, so we have, we have pray. Okay. And, and yeah, that's where, that's where we're headed. You guys are right. So Matthew 18 is a, uh, is a great place to go to. And so these are all ways, but God's way is listed there and it has to, a little bit to do with all of that. Maybe not so much the punch part, <laughs> but personally, uh, we'll pray for you guys. <laughs> oh yeah, if somebody's abusing you or you're trying to take your life, you got to defend yourself. That's true. You got to steward the life God gave you and your children's life, right? So if you're the provider, you better take care of your life because your children depend on you. And that goes for everything, including drugs and alcohol. So Matthew 18, let's turn there. And I want to have somebody read verses 15 through 20. Anybody? Uh, through 20. Amen. So here we have Jesus' instruction on um, if a brother sins against you. Okay? This is a conflict that has happened and is brewing. And, and there's, there's a certain method, right? A step process. <clears throat> What is important to actually know is that this has to actually be a sin. <laughs> there, there are times where, believe it or not, I've, I've kind of begin to approach matters like this with different people. And there are times where it's like, well, I don't really like that she does that. Or I don't really like that he does this. You know, but it's not really clearly a sin. It's just something that bothers you. And, and so you have to be able to say clearly, if you're approaching somebody in this manner, it has to clearly be sin as listed in the Bible. And, you, you know, it would be something like gossip, lying, um, you know, um, hatred, something like that. And you have to, like, say, this is my... This is my grievance, like you were filing um, a charge or something, you know, and like, hey, this is my grievance. This is what's 
This is what's hurting me. This is what's offending me. This is, this is how you're sinning against me. And so, um, and he's talking about in a brother, right? In this, in the sense that these are our brothers and sisters in Christ, everybody here. But this, actually, this concept here is the way to deal with stuff even at work. Okay, so this isn't just um, just a principle that works in the church, although God will bless it much more and God will be there. But even at work, you can use these same principles. And the world has actually robbed this and uses this in conflict management, even at work. So it's a, it's a universal principle where you take people and you, you go through a, a, a de-escalation, maybe. It's kind of what it looks like. But for us, it's an escalation. Because if the problem isn't solved, then we move forward with deeper consequences. And ultimately, somebody feels like punching somebody in the face if it doesn't get solved. And that's a terrible place to be. That's a hard place to be because if you have a brother in Christ, you hope that Christ in them is motivating them to want to have uh, the conflict resolved. So here are some goals when you sit down to do this. And I looked these up and I kind of, kind of pieced some stuff together and I decided that these are some really, really good things that you should try to get in a conversation like this. So if you're going to have conflict resolution and you bring this Matthew 18 and you go one-on-one -on -one with each other, first of all, you want to pray, right? You gather together and say, let's pray. You invoke the name of the Lord Jesus, right? Say, we're here because we want to do things God's way. And then you, you set a goal. When you sit down and set a goal, to save the relationship and honor God. So you pray and whoever it comes from saying, we really want to save our relationship. We really want to honor God. We really want to have this matter behind us. And if everybody agrees, then let's move forward. And so that's one thing, right? And honor God. Yeah. Sorry, I'm moving at a snail's pace, but these are things that we want to resolve the conflict, set a goal, honor God, save the relationship, to listen to the other person's point of view. And so, what that means is, and I didn't just make this up, this is, this is real, real stuff that's been put out there, published, and a lot of other people have poured in there. So I picked these up. Listen to the other points of view. This is very hard. This is the hardest part of conflict resolution. You have your heart, your heart, your body posture, your eyes and your ears focused. Okay? This is practical and this is important because it displays to the other person that you're honoring them and you want to cooperate with them. If you don't display these attributes in your, in your body, they're not going to listen. 
they're not going to hear, and you have little chance of resolving the conflict. So listening is a skill. Listening doesn't just mean with your ears, it means with your body, it means with your eyes, it means with everything. You focused and respectful. Now this is going to take everything you have, everything that God has put in you, because you might be saying in your head, you're wrong. And they very well might be. And according to me and you, they are. <laughs> right? But you have to have this kind of posture. This is a posture of humility. If you want to get anywhere, if you're really serious about resolving a conflict, that's communication right there. You're, you're communicating. You're doing your part. If they're not, you have no control of that, right? And then once you do that, okay, so we're going to um, listen with our eyes. Once that's rolling, we're going to acknowledge the other person's part without challenging them or asking them. Say that again. Your demeanor, the, the way you're carrying yourself, your demeanor, the smirks, all that kind of stuff, it'll get shut down really quick. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, but you got to try. This isn't something that you just like spring up one day and you have, but that's why we have a chance to learn, right? We have a chance to learn. So the third thing is we acknowledge the other person's what they've said. You acknowledge it. Okay, I've heard what you have to say. You might even repeat it back to them. Now that's what I usually do. Is I repeat back what I heard. I say, so this is what you're saying. And I'm, and you don't have to be happy and, you know, be clicking your heels like Lucky Charms or anything like that. But repeat it back to them and say, this is what I heard you say. And is this right? And you acknowledge it and like, yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Okay. So now you've gained some ground. You've actually gained some ground to work with there. Because you're gaining trust from them when you've heard and you've acknowledged. Right? And then now it's your turn to tell your story. Okay? Tell your story. So that's with the T, right? Not with the Y. Tell, not yell. Okay, tell So avoid the blame game. You did this. You did that. This is why. Because if you want to resolve conflict, which is the goal, you have to remember the goal. You can't have the blame game. But you can let the other person know what hurt you and what upset you. And it's important that you're able to do that. I heard what you have to say. Now here's what my side of the story is. We're telling the story. Beep, beep, beep. This is how I see it. This is how I know. I'm not sure what you think about this. But this is what hurt me. This is what hurt me about what you said or what you did. Right? Are you guys following me? This is an important part. Now, the next part, you're going to need the supernatural grace of God. 
you tell your story and for most of us we think that's the winning shot right there right for most of us in conflict resolution we think now that i heard my side that's usually the goal is for us to be able to tell our side of the story but that's not the end of it that's not the goal you guys have to look further right if you really want to truly resolve it so if we stop at just telling our story and telling what hurt us there's still going to be lingering stuff in the air right so the next part you guys have everything here this is really simple it's like chicken scratch but the next part you got to pray to god right we're at what five yeah we're at five are you ready for that there you go see acknowledging it i am ready for that apologize for what right that's how we would use you apologize for what i didn't do nothing wrong think about it if things escalated we helped escalate it right and if it was even a lack of putting a stop to it before it got out of hand. Then there's still some part that you play. Whatever it is, you have to apologize and take responsibility for your part. Okay? Apologize and take responsibility for your part. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for whatever is causing the conflict. I really want to resolve this. Remember what the goal is. Is to resolve the conflict, not to win for your ego. It's to resolve the conflict. Okay, that's the real goal. And that's how you really get where you really want to be in a good position. Is you apologize, take responsibility for your part, and ask for forgiveness. Now why do we ask for forgiveness? If we feel like we've done nothing wrong. Because somehow we were involved in a conflict. That Jesus died. And if we have to humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness. Whether it's right or wrong. You have to decide. Is this worth it? I am adding. If I won't, for, if I won't forgive. And I, I won't receive forgiveness. So what's the opposite? Asking for forgiveness. Sometimes it might not make sense. You guys follow me? It might not make sense. Forgive me for my part, though. That's what you're saying. Not forgive me for your part. Because you can't ask for forgiveness for their part. It's for your part. And I bet you, if you think about it, there's a part somewhere that we played in it. Right? And if we're honest... You have to take that into consideration and say, is there a greater part that I played? No, but there is a part I played. Um, Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So even asking for forgiveness for a hardened heart that you might have had towards them. You hurt me and I hardened my heart 
You hurt me, and I hoped that you would get hurt. Trust me, if you guys are honest, you, you thought that. I hope something happened. Am I right? So those are the things that we need to forgive, ask for forgiveness for. And, um, and after that, it's... If you both receive forgiveness, you've resolved the conflict. Would you like to resolve conflict? I would. I would love to have all the conflicts resolved. Are we going to have them all resolved? Probably not. There's a good chance that a good many conflicts are not going to be resolved. Or they may, may take longer time to resolve. But if you do end up receiving forgiveness and end up resolving a conflict, the thing that you have to do in the end is discuss how to avoid further conflict. Right? But sometimes you just have to lay it out there, huh? Discuss how fewer. So that's personal, personal conflict. You guys think we're done? I wish we were done, but there's more to talk about conflict. So we, we've talked about a simple step of personal conflict resolution, a simple layout. I realize that things might be more complicated than, than I've laid them out. But just try to keep it simple. The further we complicate things, the harder it will be to resolve the conflict. Like, oh, well, let's add this in, let's add that in. Just trust God. He said to, to do Matthew 5.18. Let's sit down and try to win our brother, right? We have a simple format. Let's try to go for it. And these are things that are proven and real and time-tested. So let's try that. But there are other kind of conflicts, right? So public disputes. We want to try to keep those kind of disputes out of the public. Personal conflicts. You know what I hate? Facebook. <laughs> it ruins a lot of marriages. It ruins a lot of relationships. Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want to do. I, I like it. I keep in contact with people and I use it, hopefully in a healthy way. Sometimes people... Um, create conflict and further conflict because on on Facebook my wife I wish she loved me more in this way and that and he put it out there I'm like you realize that the whole world can see that that ain't gonna help you when you get home sir <laughs> just throw that phone away <laughs> so you got to keep things that are personal personal Keep them close to you. Do not let them get outside of your circle. Try to deal with them personally if it's personal. Okay? And the tighter you keep that circle, the better. Because the more people know, people will start gossiping and this and that. And that's going to happen. But you got you to gotta know the truth between you and whoever it is. And maybe a few trusted associates. Okay, keep that circle close and it will be better for you. 
But there's public disputes that happen. So I want to have you turn to Acts chapter 6. Public Now, I want to have somebody read Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Verse 7. Okay. So the disciples had to deal with a problem. What we see here in Acts chapter 6 is there was Hellenists and Hebrews, and, and these were widows. They were women who had, their husbands had died, and they came to the church to get food because they, they were either they couldn't uh, work and, and help themselves. Um, maybe they were old, maybe there something had happened and it was uh, very hard for a woman to be able to work in those days without doing things that women shouldn't do. So it was hard to get food. And so they, they were believers. They ended up coming to the church. They had a food program, a food pantry, if you will. Now, there was a complaint that happened and this is a public dispute. So this is a group of people coming with the public Complained saying, hey, something's not fair. So the Hellenists were believers in Jesus that um, were kind of Greek, like they were from the Greek world. And then the Hebrews were obviously Hebrews. They, they, they were more like old school. And the, the Hellenists were like new school, like they were like hipsters. And the, uh, the uh, Hebrews were like, uh, fuddy-duddies or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so they were traditionalist, is how you might view them, and then there was people who were progressive. But they were, they were kind of at odds with each other. So something with public disputes that Satan loves to do is he loves to use a misunderstanding or some sort of accusation like this to divide groups of people. He does it real easy. This is... This is uh, uh, easy way for him to divide people and, and what happened there is they, they start saying this isn't fair our widows here the Hellenists are not getting treated right they're not getting as much food as the Hebrews maybe they have favorites right and you see how that could really just cause a cause a problem a huge conflict could happen and it could end up actually shipwrecking a whole bunch of people in their faith and causing them to be removed from the church. There was only one church at the time. 
Okay, and there's no, they couldn't just go down the road to the other church. There was only one church, and if they removed themselves from the covering of that church, then they would be out, and Satan would surely pick them off. But he was trying to, this age-tested method of division through conflict and dividing people and separating them. And, and I'll tell you what, he does a good job of it all the time. And so the apostles recognized this. That this was a this was a pretty major thing, but they had a focus. They had to focus on some uh, certain callings that God had given them, and they realized some things that they couldn't they couldn't do this by themselves. And so, what do you what do you do when you have this public dispute? You have to seek wisdom and counsel, right? And and that's what they did. So I'm going to give you some things here that they did to solve the conflict in the public. The first thing was they recognized what was needed. So they saw the truth, right? So public dispute recognized what was needed. They saw the truth of the situation. The truth was that if they did not work on this